On to page 187. So the first Bible reading tonight is um, from the book of Ruth, chapter 1, page 187. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Marlon and Kilion. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Marlon and Kilion died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought that there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realised that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabites, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. 
And the second reading tonight is from the book of James. Um, um, forgive me, my page has slipped. Um, from the book of James on 855. Thank you. Uh, chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you have a bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Uh, well, welcome. Uh, if we've not had the chance of meeting before, my name's Mark. Uh, I am around, but generally I fill my week with the opportunity of pastoring our morning congregations here. Uh, but it's a pleasure to be here tonight and bring Ruth to you. So flick back to Ruth. We're going to spend the next few weeks looking at the book of Ruth, being encouraged by the lovely uh, story of God's work there and how he's at work in our lives too. Uh, as you're finding it, can I encourage you to keep praying for I Heart Kirribilli. Uh, it was a great past week. Loads of people who don't normally wander into church came and visited us during the week. I had a great chat with a guy who, he's lived here 40 years in Kirribilli. Uh, this is the first time he wandered into the church. Uh, and we had a good chat about a um, whole variety of things, not least church and God. Uh, so share your stories with each other. Tell each other uh, the great things God has been doing in the past week. Uh, but keep praying as well. We'll hear more next week of the aftermath of I Heart Kirribilli. Uh, but do, uh, do keep it in your prayers and thoughts. Uh, that should give you enough time to find page 187 again in Ruth 1. How about I pray? Our Lord and Father, we thank you that you are a good and gracious God. Uh, we thank you that uh, when the times are good and when the times are hard, you continue to be faithful. You continue to love your people and you continue to shape us to become more and more like Jesus. Uh, we pray that now uh, as we come to your word, you would speak powerfully to us by it that your spirit would be applying it to our, our hearts and minds, that we would learn to love what you command and that we would seek to live like Jesus even in a world that doesn't love him. Uh, Father, help us to be uh, conformed all the more into his image uh, that you might be glorified. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever felt like you've missed out? Ever felt like it just passed you by and... The dreams you had just didn't get met. How did it feel? I think Proverbs 13, 15 nails it when it speaks of how hope deferred makes your heart sick. You know, it's that sickness of heart which comes with, with emptiness and disappointment. You know, perhaps you've had that sickness of heart. Perhaps you're going through it and feeling it now. You know, disappointments and hurt and suffering 
Yeah, they all leave you empty, don't they? And we live in an imperfect world, uh, and so that sort of feeling is unavoidable. And I want to ask you, when emptiness hits you, how do you deal with it? How does emptiness leave you? Uh, are you driven back to God and going closer to Him, or, or are you scarred and distant? Uh, a member of my parents' Bible study group uh, died of a brain aneurysm. Uh, he was only 58. Uh, he was married. He had uh, children, late teens, in their 20s. Uh, at first, his, his widow and children were, uh, were simply numb, uh, perhaps with a bit of disbelief, but you know, the emptiness just left them numb. Uh, but as time went on, their challenge was, was trying to deal with that kind of emptiness, with that kind of sickness of heart, uh, with their hopes broken. Now, given that God controls everything, uh, that God is the one who gives you both comfort and calamity, that he sends the good times and the bad times, um, how does emptiness, that feeling of lack, that feeling of missing out, how does it shape your response to Jesus? And does it drive you wholeheartedly to go back closer to him, or, or does bitterness just rise up and well up and cloud everything? So over the next month, we're going to be looking at the book of Ruth. And Ruth, I want to say, if you don't know it, it's just a beautiful, lovely story. Uh, it's a great story of, of, I suppose, one family being redeemed. But more than that, it's through the story of that one family being redeemed that, that our stories kind of tie in. It's our redemption that's actually being spoken about. Uh, and in the opening lines of Ruth, we're introduced to a family dealt a hand of emptiness. Uh, we're told they, they live in a time of judges in, in verse 1. That's giving a bit of context for us. Wild and crazy times, the times of judges. So the people of Israel are in the land, but there's no king yet. Uh, they, they go through these cycles of rejecting God. And so God, you know, local neighbors come in and oppress them and crush them. And God then saves them and things get worse and worse. And, and, and over time, they don't even need the uh, locals, the, the enemy nations to give them trouble. They kind of rip themselves apart there. It's kind of wild, crazy, violent, tumultuous times. Uh, but the book of Ruth is just a, a gentler exploration of those times. You know, judges will go sweeping, looking at a, you know, a whole nation. But Ruth just focuses on a family. You know, four little episodes. It's the kind of story that you, know, you can imagine BBC doing and on Sunday nights on ABC they'd replay it. It's that kind of, show, you know, that kind of story. Uh, and in episode one, the, the, the episode we look at tonight, we're struck with a, a tragic tale of emptiness. Yeah, and it's emptiness that actually drives the whole book along. Uh, and it's the emptiness that perhaps you and I can tap into. But perhaps we've been there, perhaps we're there. Because what Ruth 1 does, it gives us two clear options of how we're going to deal with the emptiness that we experience. You know, either the fullness of wholehearted return or that dangerous lingering bitterness that can come. Before they get there, though, we need to see the emptiness. Um, the first emptiness is the very physical emptiness of famine. Uh, so the family we meet is from Bethlehem. Quite literally, the word Bethlehem, the name Bethlehem means house of bread. Ironically, there's no food. Uh, and so uh, Elimelech's solution for uh, Naomi and their, their strapping young lads is let's go and start a new life in Moab. Let's, let's go. But this is a bold risk. We've got to see that these people moving to Moab is more like you know, boat people seeking refuge in Australia in the current climate, climate that, rather than kind of expats going, living in comfortable places like here with 
tax deals that mean they can live in Kirribilli and Milton's Point. You know, these people are taking a risk. Uh, They're not going to get any favours from Moabites. They're going to be strangers and enemies. Uh, But actually, the famine in Israel is not the major problem of emptiness. Uh, Because by verse 6, it gets resolved. You know, the Lord came to the aid of his people and provides food for them. That's not what drives the story. That's not the real issue of emptiness. It's deeper than that. Uh, the second emptiness is a deeper one, a worse one. It's destitution. You know, at the start of the chapter, we meet a whole raft of characters. So we get name after name. Uh, there's Elimelech and Naomi and Marlon and Kilion in verse 2. And when the family move to Moab, we meet Ruth and Orpah. You know, point is, we're meeting people. It's not just a general story, oh, there was this bloke and he had a family. No, no, they're people, people we might potentially know, people who could have had name tags and so we could have actually said, oh, hi, how you go? No, they're real people, people with names. But by verse 5, Elimelech is dead. Marlon is dead. Killian is dead. And Naomi is left destitute. Uh, quite literally in verse 5, um, our translation doesn't quite do 